So some of you may have been surprised yesterday when I shared with you the story of Jacob and Jacob's wrestle with God. It's described uh, very vividly in uh, the book of Genesis. You should read it for yourself and try to think through the psychological and spiritual dynamics that were going on as that wrestle was taking place. Then God said, let me go. And Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And you remember how I described what must have been going on in Jacob's mind. Remember that Jacob was uh, one of those men who believed, uh, as the ancient world did, that to see God you would die. He sensed he was in the presence of God, and therefore there would be a, an urge to pull away to protect himself from danger. Yet at the same time, he experienced danger or feared danger from his brother who was coming to meet him with 400 men. Does he uh, hide from God to protect himself from death or obey God rather to protect himself from death? Or does he cling to God to protect himself from the death of his own brother? These are the conflicts that were, must have been going on in Jacob's mind at the time. But you may say to me, Colin, it just doesn't seem to sit well with me, the idea that we have to try to convince God. Well, the truth is this. It is God who is trying to convince us. Well, you say, no, God, it was Jacob who said, let me go. Um, uh, rather, uh, I will not let you go. Look, you need to understand how God works sometimes. Look at the cross. God the Father was hidden from the Son. Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you think that was a play act? Do you think that Jesus was just sort of pretending so that he could pass on an idea to us? to talk to God when things seemed too black? No, the truth of the matter is that at that point, Jesus' mind was so overwhelmed with the suffering, not simply the physical suffering, but the suffering of all the sins of the world that were upon him, the judgment that came upon him, that he felt that God had forsaken him. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, notice he doesn't say, oh, don't forsake me, but why have you done this? And he persists. The point is that God, that uh, J Jesus talks to God. He feels forsaken, but he talks to God. And then a um, few minutes later, or we don't know exactly how long later, maybe an, uh, an hour later, he says, into thy hands, I commit my spirit. So even though God, even though he felt that God had forsaken him, nevertheless, he said, I will commit my spirit into your hands. You see, this was Jesus' wrestle. It is God the Father eliciting faith from Jesus, faith that God the Father himself had already placed in Jesus' heart. Now, you see, Jacob only had faith because God had given it to him. 
When Jacob said, I will not let you go, it was the Holy Spirit that had put that call and cry in him. But it was the Holy Spirit that was seeming to step back so that Jacob would use that faith that the Spirit had given him. The Holy Spirit was teasing out of Jacob the faith that God had already given him. Let me say it again. The Holy Spirit was teasing faith out of Jacob that the faith that he had already put within him. In other words, here, I, here it is. I'm giving you this gift. I'm handing it to you. Now I want you to use it. And so Jacob has to say, I will not let you go, even though I feel that you have to let me go because I'm an unworthy sinner. I sinned against my brother Esau. I stole his birthright. I was dishonest. I am a man who is dishonest. Even my name means deceiver. I cannot stand my name, dear Lord. And when God said, let me go, Jacob must have been terrified. Jacob must have felt that he was being abandoned, just as we've been teaching there in Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. God, it seems, has abandoned us under his wrath, but, and we feel the justification of that because we have sinned, because we have been addicts or are addicts, and because we do things against God's will, and we feel it is only right that he abandons us. And when we hear that or get that sense that he has abandoned us, we feel, yes, I deserve it. I don't deserve his blessing. I don't deserve his mercy. He has to abandon me. But then the fight comes in and says, no, God, I will not let you abandon me. This is Jacob's wrestle. And that is why Jacob was called, or rather, Jacob had his name changed. When God said, what is your name? And Jacob um, cried out with great stress, this name of, my name is Jacob. And I sort of, the implication is, I hate my name. I'm a deceiver. I'm a liar. That's the meaning of my name. God said, your name shall no longer be Jacob. Your name shall be Israel, for you have fought with God and won. You have wrestled with God, you have fought with God and prevailed. And that is just astonishing. And for this reason, you see, all people coming from uh, faith in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are called Israel. Because the, the nature of a true Israelite is not his uh, physical um, descent from Abraham. The nature of a true Israelite is the faith that gets us to wrestle with God. Now, you may think, well, this just doesn't—I mean, I've never heard of wrestling with God. Well, then it's time you did. There are many occasions— 
where God's people have wrestled with him. Jeremiah, if you want to read the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah complains many times to God and uh, uh, is very troubled by what God seems to be doing and and, uh, complains to him. There's the account in Second Chronicles chapter 36 where the Lord sent, it says that the Lord sent messengers to Israel because they were so sinful and broken. He sent messages and prophets, but they mocked them and the Lord's wrath arose because there was no remedy. There was no remedy for them. So God took them into captivity. But in Jeremiah and in Jeremiah eight verse fifteen, it's uh, Jeremiah says to God, "We looked for peace, we looked for peace, but no good came for a time of remedy. But there was only trouble." And then God complains. Then rather, Jeremiah complains to God, and he says, "Have you utterly rejected us? Why have you stricken us so that there is no remedy?" We acknowledge our wickedness. We have sinned against you. Do you abhor us? Don't abhor us for your name's sake. Do not disgrace the throne of your glory. Do not break your covenant with us. Are you not God the Lord? Only you make rain. There is, therefore we will wait for you. Now, have you ever heard anybody complain like that to God? That this man, Jeremiah, blames God for not uh, solving and bringing a remedy, when God, in fact, had complained to Israel that they are not, they are beyond uh, a remedy. There is no remedy for them. But Jeremiah complains and says, Lord God, are you, why in the world are you not bringing a remedy? And then comes Jeremiah 33, verses 4 to 6. He says, the reason uh, you have your dead bodies all over the place is that you tried to fight with the Babylonians, but I slew you because of your wickedness. But then he says, Behold, I will bring remedy. I will heal you and bring abundance and peace and truth to you. How utterly astonishing! If you want to look all of that up, then go to Second Chronicles 36, verses 15 and 16. Then go to Jeremiah 14, verses 19 to 22. And then go to Jeremiah 33, verses 4 through 6. The truth of the matter is that God is training his children to wrestle with him. Because we're not wrestling against God, really. We're not wrestling against our uh, unbelief in God. We're wrestling against our own doubts, our fears that God will not come through for us. And so when Jacob's wrestle takes place, he's really facing himself. God is helping him to face himself. And God is saying to him, in effect, Jacob, do you still believe that I am the covenant maker, that I made a covenant with you? Do you still believe? Are you still afraid? I will protect you. I will not let you go. Therefore, I want you to wrestle me down and win. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us in the midst of our addiction, in the midst of our struggle, to wrestle him down and win. 
That's the name of Israel. That's the meaning of the name of Israel. You have fought with God and won. Now, of course, God lets him, lets us win like a good, faithful daddy who plays with his kids. He lets the kids win sometimes when they wrestle. And the kids jump up and down in victory. And uh, uh, it's all a lot of fun. But in the case of God and ourselves, it's dead serious. Because God wants us to be able to believe we are thick with him. That we have strength in his presence. Because he is the one who gives us that strength. So don't back off in your addictions. Go forward boldly and cling to him, and never let him go, and tell him so. Thanks for joining me today. This is Colin Cook, and you've been listening to How It Happens, a broadcast on the gospel described in the book of Romans, and how by faith in God we cling to him, we hold on to him when all the chips are down and everything seems to go wrong and we're in the thick and midst of addiction or struggles in our lives. God tells us to hang on to him, not simply hang on, That's not the hopeful message. You know, people say today, well, hang on, hang in there. No, not hang in there. Hang on to God, because God is our strength. Thank you then again for listening. Please, if you can help with donations to keep the broadcast going now, by the way, in its 25th year, send your donations to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160. That's FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160. Or make your donations online at faithquestradio.com. That's faithquestradio.com. Thanks so much, then. I appreciate all your support and your little notes. They do so much encourage me. I'll see you next time. Cheerio and God bless.